the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. According to you, Lord Christ. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all of these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Please be seated. I would not be surprised if, uh, as the Old Testament lesson was being read, for some of you, the thought came to mind of that famous Yogi Bear quip. It's like deja vu all over again. Some of you may have heard me say these words at the altar rail from time to time. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance to you and give you peace. This obviously comes from today's reading in Numbers. And this is the famous priestly blessing. This blessing was given by God to Moses to pronounce on the Israelites. And the context in which all of this happens is important. This, is, this takes place shortly after the Israelites and Moses have escaped from the bondage, escaped from the slavery of Egypt and passed through the Red Sea. They are now encamped in Sinai. And by the way, when we think about the Exodus event, we usually think about the book of Exodus but parts of that story are found in Numbers and in Deuteronomy also. So here we are. The Israelites have escaped, and they're now in Sinai, in the wilderness of Sinai. And just enough time has elapsed since the escape from Egypt that the euphoria of this escape has dissipated. And they are beginning to awaken to the precariousness, if you will, of their situation. And here there's a, I think, a kind of a striking parallel between this Sinai wilderness, the wilderness of the Middle East, and the Grand Canyon. Those of us who've been fortunate enough to visit the Grand Canyon can attest to the fact that it, it makes no difference how many pictures you've seen of the canyon or how many times it's been described to you, nothing prepares you for that feeling you get when you first stand on the rim and look down into the canyon. The majesty of that scene is overwhelming. And there's no way you can understand it until you are there. Well, pretty much on the polar opposite side of that spectrum is the Sinai wilderness, the wilderness of the Middle East, 
We've all seen pictures of this wilderness, haven't we? And we can tell that it's very barren. But that doesn't prepare you for the feeling you get when you actually stand for the first time in the midst of that wilderness. Only then does it hit you what the desolation of that place is like. And when that happens, your first thought is, how can anyone live in this place? And so it is in this context, a context of amazing danger for the Israelites, that God gives this blessing. Now this blessing, it seems, has three promises made by God. A promise to keep us, to be gracious to us, and to give us peace. But as I, as I studied and read and reread this blessing more and more, it began to <laughs> dawn on me that there are not three promises here. There's one promise repeated three times. And with, with, with every repetition, the intensity is ratcheted up. The Hebrew words are significant here. The first promise is shamar. Shamar means to watch and preserve. The second promise is kanan. Kanan means to favor and preserve. And then the third promise is shalom. Now we're all familiar with that word. We've heard the word shalom, but I think very few of us really understand the depth of that word. In our Bible, shalom is translated as peace. But it's one of those Hebrew words that cannot be captured in one or two words of English. Shalom means completeness. It means tranquility. It means contentment, stability, all rolled into one. And then on top of that, for any Jew, any Hebrew who hears the word shalom, it conjures up the notion of being at peace with God all the time in the context of being in covenant with God. So it is a many nuanced term. I think maybe St. Paul put it best when he describes shalom in Philippians 4. He talks about the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Shalom then, shalom is really at the very center of the deepest and most instinctive longing that we all have. And it is this promise of shalom that is made to the Israelites at a time of great, great danger as they are realizing that they are in the midst of the most inhospitable real estate in the world. That's the context, danger. And that brings us to today's gospel lesson. And here, the context in which we find Jesus being named is significant. And by the way, I suspect there's some deja vu all over again, too, with the gospel reading. Many of you may have said, wait a minute, didn't we read this just last week on Christmas Eve? And the answer is, well, yes and no. We read most of that on Christmas Eve all but the last sentence, the last verse, which is the naming of the Christ child, the name of Jesus. 
And here, context is important, how that, how and when that occurred. I read an article in the last couple of weeks by uh, Trish Harrison Warren, who's a priest. She writes articles monthly or so. I read the articles, and I disagree with her a lot. But on this, she got it right. She was talking about the context of this day. I want to read to you what she said. From his earliest moments, Jesus was considered a nobody, a loser, another overlooked child born into poverty, into an ethnic minority in a vast, oppressive, and seemingly all-powerful empire. We have tamed the Christmas story with over-familiarity and sentimentality, little lambs and shepherds, tinsel and stockings, so we fail to notice the depth of the pain, chaos, and danger into which Jesus was born. Pain, chaos, and danger. That was the setting, that was the context for the Holy Family when this name Jesus was placed upon this child as directed by the archangel Gabriel. And so in light of that context, it's important to know that in Hebrew, Jesus means God saves. God saves. You see, the Jesus event, the the Christmas event, is really the embodiment, the embodiment of the priestly blessing. And this blessing, this promise of shalom is given at a time when the Israelites, at a time when Christ and his mother and father are in grave, grave danger. Now, all of this, I think, provides two takeaways for you and me here today. The first takeaway is this. We need to be honest with ourselves. None of us are really in the predicament that the Israelites found themselves, that the Holy Family found themselves on the brink of extinction in a situation of powerlessness, helplessness, homelessness. We don't find ourselves in that position. And yet, for each of us in the past and, for, and probably in the future, there are times in our lives, aren't there, when we feel powerless and helpless and, in a sense, homeless. And in those times, these words, the priestly blessing, the name Jesus gives us a lifeline that we can hold on to. The second takeaway is this. While we do not find ourselves in the position of the Israelites or the Holy Family, we do from time to time bump into people who are in such dire circumstances, who are truly powerless and homeless and helpless and just teetering on the very edge of extinction. When we find ourselves with those people, we are called by Jesus to be the hands and feet of Christ. Or put another way, if those people are to receive God's shalom, it can only be through us. 
And so when we run into these people, when we encounter these people who are in these such desperate situations, we are called to not turn our backs, but to seek and find ways to serve them, to support them, to give them hopefulness. You see, with God's shalom, we all may be powerless, we all may be helpless, we all may even be homeless, but with God's shalom, we are never hopeless. And so we are called to be the conduit of God's shalom in this world. And so, here we are, the first day of 2023, and I have a wish for all of us, two wishes really. I wish for each and every one of us, God's shalom this day, every day of 2023, and for the rest of our lives. And I wish also that you and I will be the conduit, will be the source of God's shalom for those that we encounter going out into this world. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.